I have so many things up here, I don't want to miss anything. So, a uh, couple of announcements for those of you who would like a December calendar late. I brought them today. I looked at the time and started freaking out. I shouldn't have looked at the time. So anyway, so here we go. If you want a calendar for December, believe it or not, you'll get July before, or January before January. And I have an announcement here given to me by Mrs. Parks. The Ladies and Girls Christmas Party, December 23rd, 6 p.m. And they're starting at Tio Pepe's Mexican Restaurant. So if you want more information, talk with Melissa. That would be great. Yes? I do need to know the time so I can make a reservation at the restaurant. Okay. So if you did not hear that, you need to RSVP. Brian is RSVPing right now, Mel. You better change the restaurant venue and don't tell him. So anyway, so you need to RSVP with Melissa. And you do have the RSVP date down there. I don't see it anywhere. Okay, all right, here we go. If I can read. Our party will start with dinner. Dutch at Tio Pepe's and move to Melissa's house after for dessert and a gift exchange. Please bring a gift under $15 if you'd like to participate. Please note that I will need an accurate headcount to make a, a dinner reservation, so please RSVP. I'm going to add sooner, not later. So, any questions, call Melissa. There you go. All right, and we have an announcement that we have some birthdays. Tamara's birthday. I know you love people singing to you. I know you do. Uh-huh. And uh, Lisa Frey's birthday today as well. Does anybody else have a birthday this week? Uh, uh, Blake George, we're going to say happy birthday to him tonight. So, anybody else? Oh, we never sang to Desi. Okay. Wow, your mom ratted you out. That's rough. All right. Okay. Here we go. Anybody else? All right. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Oh, you know when you're mentally prepared to do something and then you're not able to do it, how it kind of throws you off? Well, that's where I'm at right now. So we're moving right on to words of encouragement. Brad and Melinda, Nicole and Eli, it is so awesome to see you in three-dimensional form. I meet with them every week, a 2D screen. It's just not the same. Uh, your presence, because when I go see them, I get fed amazing dinners. Thank you, Melinda. That's not the only reason I like being 3D with you guys, but they're all zero calories here. <laughs> and I only take I only take one kind of portion. Okay, large. That's the one kind. Uh, your presence in person is a huge encouragement to not only myself but to many others. There you go. Woo it really is great to see you. All right, Melissa Parks, thank you for being such a sweet giver and encourager. Thank you uh, for the lovely housewarming party and shower. It was so nice to have the fellowship in our new home. We missed you, and I hope you're feeling better. Alan and Liberty, there we go. All right. Bill and Sharon, you did such an amazing job planning and preparing for the Christmas family dinner. 
What a fun and special time Wednesday was. Thank you with a big heart. There you go. Woohoo! Uh, Emma, you're always so willing to help and you're always so cheerful. Your smile lights up the room. There you go. Let's give it up for Emma. Okay. Are there any other announcements that we need to make? Grab your calendars. So when is Baby D coming? Man, we need to pray. Put that on your prayer list. Baby D, hurry up. Uh, the 27th. January 2nd. Do I hear? No. We better not go there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did you have an announcement? No, I said today. Oh, that would be nice. Okay, maybe. All right. Here we go. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. And turn to the book of Luke in chapter 1. Luke 1. In Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 26. And we are going to be reading about one amazing lady. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and had kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for this reason the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to all your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Holy God in heaven, we want to ask that you would help us to realize just how tremendously courageous Mary was as a young woman, maybe not even 20 years old yet. She bore really the weight of the world on her shoulders, having decided that she would most assuredly love to participate in the great plan of salvation, being the one through whom the Christ, the Messiah, would come into the world. Holy Father, as I was thinking about all of the women, both in the Old and the New Testament, and, and having the year coming to a close, I felt this was most appropriate, that we would look and listen and see of the great virtue of this woman, Mary, so much so that she found favor in your sight, that we would look at her strength of character, her persever perseverance in some of the most uh, horrific times that a, a, a wife and a mother could go through. And yet she stayed the course, believing 
that her son would be the savior of the world, that her son would establish a kingdom eternal and she would stay the course and raise that son so that he truly would come to an understanding of who he was uh, in your Holy Spirit. Lord God in heaven, we now ask that you would help us to see that and recognize that because of her perseverance, she was vindicated and she did get to see the great coming of the eternal kingdom of God, the church, on the day of Pentecost. Father, I am so thankful for her example. And as I went back and, and looked more deeply into the passages of scripture that are often read but seldom really talked about or celebrated, I pray that we can celebrate the amazing life of this woman today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin or continue reading if you would continue in the book of Luke in chapter 1 and look at verse 39. Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, literally John the Baptist, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She cried out with a loud voice saying, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? And behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded, he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. The whole and holy is his name. In his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his people, in, in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her three months, and then returned to her home. Now, some of you will say, well, that's very nice what she said, but you know, she actually was speaking of you and I. In this last verse, verse 55, he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. You see, through Mary, salvation came. If Mary was not willing because of the culture at that time, not wanting to be an outcast, not wanting to become homeless, if she would have clung to uh, what the culture said, there would have been no Jesus through her. She was such a great woman of virtue, she was willing to humble herself and do the will of God, even though it might mean divorce, homelessness, and rejection. She had no clue what it would mean to be the mother of, of the Son of God. Have you ever made a decision and enter into a covenant relationship and find out later how difficult it is? She had no clue what was coming. 
And even when Jesus came into the world as a, a, a little baby boy, almost a, a month and 11 days old, when they went to the temple after the ceremonial purification, after being pregnant with uh, the firstborn male child, she heard what her future held, and she still embraced that future and raised that boy to be who he would become, a man of great faith, truly the son of God. I always thought how great it would be if I could raise my children to be 12 years old and be able to stand and teach the truth of God to those who had doctoral degrees. That's what Jesus did at 12, but he did much more. I pray that today as we take a look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, we'll see the kind of woman of virtue she was. Even in the face of horrible rejection and the loss of so much and that we'll see that she persevered in all those things and finally she was vindicated she got to see the coming of the eternal kingdom the kingdom of heaven the church because she stayed the course now what am i talking about i want you to take a look at the word favored go back if you would in luke in chapter one and look at this, this very first few verses in chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. What does it mean Mary was the favored one? Mary was of all women most virtuous at the time. She was chosen by God to bear the Son of God, His Son, into the world. The great plan of salvation was that God would come into the world incarnate, in flesh. The book of Isaiah speaks of a virgin who would bear a son, and His name would be Emmanuel, God with us. This is happening at this moment when the angel comes and speaks with Mary and says, You are that virgin who will bear that son, who will be Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. She was favored, and I want you to look up that word favored. She was gifted this great responsibility because of her great character. Now the word favored is used in the Old Testament many times, but one of the best places as a reference point for what it means that Mary was favored because of her virtue is back in Genesis in chapter 6. Would you go there with me? Genesis in chapter 6. And notice God here finds favor with a man. Now we've spoke of this man at the very beginning of this mini-series on the character of those who would persevere. In Genesis chapter 6, as many of you know, we're speaking of Noah. And I want you to take a look at verse 8. Notice that it says here, but Noah found favor in the eyes of God, in the eyes of Jehovah the Lord. Now these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, a blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Now jump down to take a look at verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Mary was a woman of virtue, righteousness. 
Mary was a woman that was blameless, a woman of integrity. She walked as God had called her to walk up to that point in time. She found favor over all other women, and she was selected by God to be given this gracious gift of bearing the Son of God in her womb and bringing him into the world. She didn't really understand what that meant, but you know what? She knew a couple things that are very important. She knew that her character was going to be decimated, most likely, if she said yes to God. So she loved God more than anyone or anything. She loved the Lord God more than Joseph. She loved the Lord God more than her reputation, more than her life. And she said yes. We need to recognize that Mary also was a woman who feared God. Notice if we go back down to the book of Luke and chapter 1, notice what she makes a statement in regards to herself having been chosen of God for this great work of bearing the Son of God into the world. Notice in verse 46 of chapter 1, Mary says, My soul exalts the Lord. Literally, my soul always puts the Lord first. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. The most humble among us is the one who's going to receive the kingdom of heaven. The most humble among us is going to be the one who enters into the gates of heaven and he'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you're not humble in your commitment to lower oneself to the great plan that God has for the Christian man or the Christian woman, I am sorry to tell you, but as was mentioned earlier by one of the preachers up here, you're not getting in. Mary was of such character, she realized if God calls her to do a job, though it in this culture seems like she is going to be divorced, she's going to be rejected, she's going to be basically kicked out of her religion, and she is going to be destitute, she was willing to be that for God so God's will would be done. How about you? Will you deny the faith? Will you deny the name of Jesus when the pressure really comes on? When you may lose everything in this world? Mary was willing to do that. Trusting God, not knowing what the future held. But if the future was of this world, she would lose everything. And she was willing to do that. I hope you'll go back and think about that for just a minute. But she was not only humble and willing to do God's will... But look at Luke chapter 1, verse 49 and 50. 49 and 50. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon the generation after generation towards those who fear him. The word grace means to extend mercy. And she says that I have received grace, favor, as it were. And you know why? Because she feared God. Do you know the definition of fearing God? Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13 says that the fear of God is to hate evil in every perverse way and to love only God and his word. That's in Psalms 112 verse 1 through 4. You need to recognize that Mary hated evil, but she embraced the love of God. 
She was doing no evil by allowing the Lord God to use her as a humble servant. But how is she going to be viewed? How is she going to be viewed? The marriage had not been consummated yet, as you well know. And she is found to be with child. We'll talk about Jewish culture in just a minute. And as we said before in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, but look at verse 48 and 52. In verse 48, it says, she has regard for the humble state of his bond slave, speaking of herself. And then in verse 52, it says, he has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. Mary is the one woman in human history that was created and placed in human history at that time and that place to be the one who would bear Jesus, the Son of God, into the world. So Emmanuel could come. My question is, is are you going to be like Mary and be willing to do the will of God so others might come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? If she was unwilling to do the great work and ministry that she was called to, none of us, none of us would have a chance for heaven. It's important for us to recognize that each human being who becomes a Christian has infinite value in God's kingdom in bringing about the salvation of others. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. Embrace the truth about who you are as a Christian man or a Christian woman. And when God calls you to do hard things that are counterculture, embrace those and do them. Just as Jake said, you know what? Are you going to give up praying, which God calls us to, for a decree of man? There are two laws in conflict. Which law is the higher calling? The law of God is the higher calling. And so it was nothing for him to break the decree of that time Darius, who was the uh, leader of the emperor at that time, to do the will of God. You know, if it wasn't, wouldn't have been that way, it might not have been that the Magi came from the east looking for a Messiah. For Daniel knew of this Messiah and spoke of his kingdom. So it's important for us to recognize that when you are faithful to God's call in being a great man or a great woman, a great husband, father, great uh, wife and mother, great son, great daughter, great co-worker, when you are a great manager, all those things by the will of God will draw people unto him. But you will be persecuted if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. So now let's take a look at Mary, this woman who was willing to suffer hardship, persecution, and loss of everything. Point number two, Luke chapter two, verse 21 and following. Uh, this is a beautiful passage of Mary being told what her future looks like. She was going through all of the Jewish traditions after having a firstborn son. Look at verse 21. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses 
were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what has been said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so we see here in following, and there was a man in Jerusalem and whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, the coming of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he would see the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law. Then he took him, he took Jesus into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light of the revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. Now verse 34 and 35. Eric made a good point, you know, when someone stands up here and reads a long passage of scripture. And I don't mean to be mean because this happens to me too. I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about you. But when someone reads a long passage of scripture, even when I'm reading it, it becomes a I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry if you're up here to read a long scripture. Just look at me and go, Bill... Listen, you know, it's okay if you do that, Eric, next time, all right? Verse 34 and 35 is the key here. Take a look. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I did a lot of digging on this. Mary had no clue what was coming. In this passage, Red talks about she would be anointed, really, that just Jesus would be anointed, and she would participate in this for the fall and the rise of many. Jesus will be a cornerstone, a precious cornerstone placed for the foundation of all who would believe. If you have understood the scriptures, the cornerstone message is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you build your life on anyone or anything else, you're hopelessly lost. And you're saying, well, that's kind of damning people to hell. I'm not. I'm just telling you that's truth. You need to deal with it individually, and so do I. The fall of many is because people reject Jesus as the Christ. They reject Jesus as the cornerstone, the foundation for their life. Go back with me to the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, and it's right there, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says about this Jesus. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. Then he shall become a sanctuary. Many of you know that Jesus is our sanctuary. Then he shall become a sanctuary 
but, a, but to both the houses of Israel and a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. You're saying, what is that talking about? Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter in chapter 2. Peter defines what that passage of scripture is actually talking about. It's talking about Jesus Christ, the cornerstone for all human beings. If you reject the cornerstone, you will have to stand before King Jesus and pay the price for your sin yourself. You stumbled over what God gave to you to be an absolute rock-solid foundation. Most people sadly do. Take a look. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to see where he actually quotes this passage of scripture and one from Isaiah and chapter 28. Verse 4, And coming to him, coming to Jesus, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, Christian, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. These are all quotes from Isaiah. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. You see, anybody who rejects Jesus Christ as Lord will be crushed. You know what's very sad? Is Mary knew what was coming. She knew that if she would not remain faithful, that she would stumble over this cornerstone and be crushed. She chose to remain faithful. The vast majority, sadly, of mankind goes after their own gods, most particularly the idol of self. Mary rejected that idol and embraced whatever the future would hold. But we need to read on in 1 Peter because not only was Jesus the cornerstone for the fall of many, but the cornerstone for the rise of many. So let's take a look at 1 Peter and chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God. Christian, you are living stones, being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Jump right down to verse 9. He has raised you up and seated you in the heavenly places. It says there in verse 9, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When Jesus brought, when Mary brought Jesus into the world, she was bringing the message of death and life. Death for those who would refuse him. Death for those who would disobey him. Eternal damnation, but life eternal and a hundredfold blessing in this life who would establish him as the cornerstone of their life. Many of you have gone through the elementary teachings. You're saying, yeah, so 
Jesus is the cornerstone. If you don't understand what that means, it's a very good likelihood that you have not been obedient to the cornerstone as you ought. And I'm not saying that that lesson plan is complete and total, but if you understand it, you understand that you build your life on anyone or anything else other than Jesus Christ. It says that that cornerstone is either going to be a stone which you fall on, fall on yourself willingly and are broken so that you can be rebuilt, or if you refuse stubbornly, that cornerstone will fall on you and will crush you into dust. You have a choice. Every day you have a choice. Will you fall upon the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to break the self and build the Christ, his powerful being in you? Or will you stubbornly say, I'm doing it my way. God's got to conform to my way. Mary said, no, I won't. And so Jesus became the sign which would be opposed. Jesus became the standard. If you turn to the second page of the lesson plan, point number two, Mary's hardships, it gets really ugly now. Take a look at verse 35 of Luke and chapter two. Here's where it gets ugly. And I want you to think with me for just a minute about the life of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter two, verse 35, notice what Simeon says to Mary specifically. He says here, and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The sword here is actually a very large battle sword that's used aggressively to destroy anyone who stands in its way. She is going to have a sword that's going to pierce her through. You're saying, well, that never happened. I don't remember a sword ever piercing her through. Let me ask you a question, ladies. And I could ask this to dads as well. If you have children, have, have the choices and decisions that your children have made in their lives and you don't need to, don't even wink an eyeball or do anything. Just, have they made decisions in your lives that, that just terrified you because you knew the consequences that they did not change? Have you ever had your children make choices that crushed you and you silently cried in your private place? Have you ever wept bitterly for your children? The excruciating pain of bitter tears for what may come for a son or a daughter. I have good sons. But I must tell you for all three of them, I've wept bitter tears, concerned for their souls that they would come to a right understanding of who God is. I still love them, I still engage with them, I still work to inspire and help them, and they're growing, but there have been times when I have wept bitterly. I pray for my son still, 
I know that I can still be wiped out, taken out of the fight if I don't make Jesus my cornerstone every day. I know that that's true for my sons. I brought them into the world with the help of my lovely bride. We're responsible for them. And even though now they're men and they choose their own way, I still feel obligated to be available to them, to pray for them, to cry, to petition God. Listen to what Mary had to go through. Take a look at Matthew in chapter 2 and verse 19. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 19. We're going to go through several things that Mary had to endure that were a sword piercing her heart, her soul. In Matthew in chapter 2, it says here in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they had marriage intimacy, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph was a righteous man, righteous not by the standard of the law, righteous by the standard of the faith of Abraham. There's a difference there. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, go back and look at it. Abraham had a faith. Moses had a faith, but he brought in the law. We are not people of law, we're a people of faith. He was a righteous man. And notice, and not wanting to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. Disgrace her? She was pregnant, and yet Joseph had not been with her. In the Jewish culture, the very least that would happen to her is that she would be divorced, that she would be exiled and shunned, losing everything. The law said that she could be stoned to death. God was asking her to do something that in that culture and in that religion would have caused her to be divorced, shunned, with and with child and potentially stoned to death. And she chose to obey God's will. Now tell me, it's hard to put yourself in that position, but if your life is on the line, if you know that your decision in this culture is going to cause you to lose your family, to lose any sustenance or provision, to be shunned from all that you have held near and dear with potentially being stoned to death. And God says, I want you to do this. Would you do it? Oh yeah, sure, no problem. No, that's not how you would answer. And I don't know what the future holds, but Mary said, yes, I'm going to follow God even if it means my life, even if it means destitution, even if it means I am exiled from all those who I hold dear. She was willing to go through with it. Think about that in regards to your life. She was a woman of great virtue, great conviction, and she was willing to make the choice knowing what potentially her future was. But God delivered her, didn't he? He spoke with Joseph, and they raised up that, that boy, that son, that man, God's son. 
Take a look at Psalms 129. Turn there with me if you would. This is a prophecy that Mary had to deal with for 33 years. Psalms 129. And I invite you to do a little Hebrew digging on this word. Look at Psalms 129, verses 1 and 2. Many times they have persecuted me from my youth up, let Israel now say. Many times they have persecuted me from my youth up, yet they have not prevailed against me. Now look at verse 3. That was Jesus talking there because of verse 3. We know that's Jesus talking. Verse 3. The plowers plowed upon my back, they lengthened their furrows. What's that referring to? That's referring to the scourging. When they would rip the flesh off of his back as they scourged him, like a plow in the field, peeling back the earth so his back was peeled back. And that was not just his youthfulness. I looked up that Hebrew word. It means as a little child he was persecuted. What are you doing it? What are you doing before 12 years old so you can argue with the doctors of the law? You know what you're doing? You're spending time memorizing. You're spending time talking with dad and mom and learning the Old Testament scriptures. You know what? You're not out playing kick the can. You're not out playing. You're fulfilling what God has called you to be. As mom and dad says, you are God's son. This is what the scripture says. Do you remember when you were in school? I do very, very well. You know, the kid that was a little odd, a little strange, they became the scapegoat. They became, like in the pecking order, the one that was pecked to death. Social media has elevated that to a new height where people are literally destroyed as they commit suicide because of that. Jesus went through that as a little kid all the way up. He was the oddball in everything. That says it because that word in the Hebrew language means little child. From his youth up, he was persecuted because of who he was. He was not like other kids. He was not like other boys. Well, I want to fit in, Bill. I want to fit in. What about 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12? If you don't know what that's talking about, talk with Bragg. He preached five Sundays on what it means to be a stranger and an alien in this world. We're not going to fit in, brethren. If you fit into this world, I'll tell you, this world is all you get. Jesus was not willing to fit in. He was going to do the will of his father. And as his mom saw him being ripped and torn and ripped and torn, I don't know about you moms, but you ever see your kids really brutalized and you can't do anything about it. It rips and shreds you worse. You see, that's impossible. It's, it's very possible. You know, my wife suffers greatly, not because my boys cause her to suffer, but she goes through all the challenges and difficulties I go through and she bears those as well as her own sufferings. And you know what? I love my wife because she's constantly in prayer for my sons because of the challenges of this culture. They're crushing. 
They're destroying our young people. So important, brethren, you realize that Mary went through such horrific pain as Jesus was growing up. Look at Isaiah 53, 3. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3. See, it wasn't just the growing up and all the pain that she saw there, but the culmination of Jesus' life. Where was Mary when Jesus was being crucified? At the foot of the cross. Hebrews chapter 53. And take a look at verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and he did not esteem, and they did not esteem him. Do you remember the soldiers said, if you're the king, you come down off of there and we'll follow you instead of Caesar. They kind of had a lot of fun doing that as they gambled for his clothes. And then the Jewish leadership came by and said, if you're the son of God, you come down from there and prove it and we'll follow you. And then the guy's being crucified. If you're the son of God, save us and save yourself. And Mary heard every one of those as Jesus was dying and saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. She saw in her son a man perfect being killed and murdered for the sins of the world. And there was nothing she could do about it. Just like there was nothing she could do about kids working him over as a little kid because he was weird, he was strange, he was different. She was tortured every day of Jesus' life. And she would not give up building him up, teaching him as the son of God. Carry on, son. Look at Isaiah 53 and verse 5. And he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by scourging, you are healed. John chapter 19 speaks about Mary at the foot of the cross. You know what Mary saw? You go back and read it. And I have it right there for time's sake. John 19, 25 to 37. You know what Mary saw? She saw her son give up his spirit. It is finished. But that's not all she saw. When the soldiers came to confirm death, they broke the leg of the first malefactor or robber or criminal on one side. When they came to Jesus, he was already dead. And they took a spear, a long spear, a javelin as it were. By the, word, by the way, the word sword can mean long sword or javelin. And they shoved it into his side. So if there was any hope that Mary might have had that he was going to resuscitate, no hope. Done. She saw it with her own eyes. Now, ladies, can I ask you, will you do the will of God if your sons are tortured to death in front of you? Will you remain faithful to God? Mary did. Mary did because she knew that God would raise that boy up again on the third day. 
Will you remain faithful no matter what happens to, to you or your family? Why did I say Mary till the last? Will you go 33 years of torture every day for what they'll do to you and to others? We haven't even started. We haven't had any kind of pain like that. She remained faithful. What a perseverant example. Ladies, are you that way? I'm kind of a little bit shaking in the knees. I mean, I need to be that way. Noah got to build a boat. Mary was tortured in her soul. As her boy was tortured every day and then brutally murdered. Do you see the power of this woman's virtue? The power of this woman's faith? The power of this woman's perseverance? Do you see that? To the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans in chapter 2 and verse 6. You know, when Jesus died on that cross, how many of you know that he bore your sins in his body on the cross? He knew every one of your sins when he died on that cross. For that three hours he was there in the pitch blackness. He was paying for my sin, the sin of Bill Compton. And you know what? My sins were enough to put him on that cross, but he took all of our sins. Look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 6. Paul says, On that day, the day of judgment, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. Your secret sins are either going to be condemned in the body of Jesus or they're going to be made known to all creation before you're damned to the lake of fire. That's your choice. I'm going to confess, bow the knee, and in humble obedience, receive the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ in immersion so that I'll receive the Holy Spirit. And then I must now live a faithful, virtuous life, no matter what comes. Mary's perseverance was vindicated. Jesus rose on the third day. He appeared to hundreds of people. We don't have a specific verse that says he appeared to his mother, Mary, but I think he probably did. Now that's again my opinion. I'm going to ask him. Man, I might just ask Mary because everybody else will be busy wanting to ask Jesus stuff. Hey, Mary, did, he, did Jesus come and find you after he rose from the dead? I kind of think he did. Gave her a big hug. Hey, Mom, hey, I'm back. <laughs> it's all right. We're going to make it. You want to know why? Because take a look. Acts chapter 1. Where's Mary? Well, she's hanging with the apostles, which is a good company to keep. Acts chapter 1 and, and uh, verse 12, it says, Then they, the apostles, returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And they entered the city, and they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and we list all of the apostles' names. And then in verse 14, These all... With one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. It wasn't just but a couple days later. Mary's in the temple with Jesus' brothers. 
And they thought he was insane when he walked this world for a while, but they came to their senses. They're full on now. And they see the kingdom, the eternal kingdom that Mary spoke of. That God was going to bring his eternal kingdom in. She got to see the eternal kingdom come into the world. And you know what? We are that eternal kingdom. Now the question is, if you're a Christian, are you going to remain in the eternal kingdom no matter what happens? Yes, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. But let's look at other people. Let's look at Mary. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. Let's look at Timothy. Let's take a look at all of these people who've gone on before us and they made it. They didn't give up. I don't know about you, brethren. The Christmas story is an amazing story. Without it, there'd be no hope. But there was so much more going on. A woman suffering horribly for 33 years but she stayed the course and continued to build till the kingdom came. Building her son, building her children, James and Jude, both sons of Mary and Joseph. They made it too, faithful. Brethren, I would ask you to continue. Remain faithful, grow your faith. Remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. When the government says no, to what we know to be true, our calling in God, remain faithful as Daniel was, as Mary was, as Jesus was, as Timothy was, as Noah was. Remain faithful. Persevere until the end. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the Christmas story. Thank you for how it all began the first day of creation, the message of salvation was created and Jesus knew full well that he was going to be coming into the world. He knew his mom, Mary. He knew his biological dad, Joseph. He knew the great work he would be called to. But when he came into the world as a little baby in Mary's womb, he knew nothing. And it was Mary and Joseph who had to teach him, to guide him, to help him to grow in faith and knowledge and understanding. And with that, Mary suffered when her son was treated poorly because he was not like all the other kids. And then he was unlike any other, being the savior of the world and being crucified. Father, help us to see that amazing woman of virtue, that amazing woman of character and strength and perseverance. And let us walk as she walked. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go do it. Persevere. See you next week, Lord willing. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org 
or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.